But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat in the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time of rest- for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, bless us as we seek to open up this word and to see the goodness and greatness, the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is resurrected from the dead and is at the right hand of God and is present to save his people. Lord, bless us. Open Christ to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You see your title, uh, the gospel mission, and that mission is proclaiming Christ to you 
so that you might believe in him. And so uh, this passage sets Christ forth for us, both in the action of the healing and then the proclamation of Peter. And first we see here that Jesus really is present to save. Now in Fort Worth, people have asked for money from me most often at a light, uh, at an exit ramp off the interstate. Sometimes I've been asked in uh, parking lots and sometimes in uh, gas stations, uh, sometimes outside a, a restaurant. But in Jerusalem, the place to go is one of the gates of the temple at prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And that's what this man did. So they're carrying this man, crippled from birth, to lay him at a temple gate to ask for money. And in the next chapter, we learn that he's over 40 years old. Over 40 years he's been crippled. He's absolutely helpless. He's lost to any possibility of ever walking again. No one can fix this. He's hoping for money, of course, especially when Peter stares him in the eyes. But instead, Peter tells him to walk, grabs his right hand, pulls him to his feet, and right at that instance, his 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 feet and ankles are healed. What would you do if you suddenly could walk after being crippled your whole life? I've recently seen some of the videos of people who receive a cochlear implant and hear for the first time, or, or even people who are colorblind and they get those special glasses where they suddenly see color. They're amazed. They're absolutely gripped. Their hands are to their mouth. They're crying. And I think of this man, when I see this man or hear of him, I think of those lambs that are just playing and leaping in the field. Or I think of a hound that's been in a cage and he's just running across the field joyfully. You just can't describe what that would be like. And this is real because people recognize him. This is the man we've seen at the gate. What just happened? And of course, they're wondering, who are these guys that, that have done this, right? Now, I grew up with Marvel Comics. Just read that there have been, so far, 45 Marvel movies. But this is a marvel. But it's also a sign. Kids, if you drive with your uh, family down the highway and you see a sign that's got a curved arrow on it, you know that it's telling you there's a real curve ahead. This sign tells us that Jesus really is present to save. That's the sign. You see, when Jesus was still on earth, it's interesting, John the Baptist himself the man that came before Jesus to proclaim that he's coming, he was in prison and even John the Baptist was confused. And he sent someone to ask, ask Jesus, are you the real one? Is this, are you the Messiah? Is this really the kingdom of God? You know what Jesus said? He said, look, go tell John the blind see and the lame walk. That's the indication. 
Yes. These acts of healing declare Jesus' kingship. They declare that the king is on earth. The kingdom of God is on earth. It's arrived in Jesus Christ. And this healing of the lame man announces the same presence of the kingdom. It's the same working of the Lord Jesus, whether on earth or now from heaven through his apostles. We read in verse 10 that the people were filled with wonder and amazement. These same two words are used in Luke's gospel to describe people's reaction to the miracles of Jesus. It's the same wonder and amazement at the same working of Jesus. Now from heaven through his apostles. I love this passage in Isaiah 35 verse 6 where he's describing the coming kingdom. This happening in Jesus. And he actually says the lame will leap like a deer. So this man, you see, is a living embodiment of the new age that has come, that continues on earth to this day. Jesus really is present to save. But this sign is also a sign of his power to save us spiritually. It's interesting when you go back to Luke's first writing, the, the book of Luke, there's a description of these men who let a, again, lame man down through a roof of a crowded house in front of Jesus. And the first thing Jesus says to him is, my son, your sins are forgiven. Well, the Pharisees are like, that's blasphemy. Nobody can forgive sins, but God alone. And then Jesus says, just so you know, that I do have authority to forgive sins on earth, I say to this man, be healed. And the guy took his pallet, he takes his pallet, he walks out the door. And this shows that he has the authority, the power to forgive sins. It's the same situation here. All the healings of Jesus and the apostles are a promise of spiritual blessing. And by nature, you and I, spiritually, are just as helpless as this man. He couldn't walk. We can't love God from the heart. We can't worship him above all else by ourselves. We don't. This man was dead in his physical disease. We, by nature, are dead in our spiritual disease. How are we to be forgiven? How are we to be changed? We're dead. We're paralyzed. But like the Lord remade this man's feet and ankles, so he will remake us spiritually. He can remake you spiritually. He gave him new legs. He can give you a new life of fellowship with God. But you must entrust yourself to this Jesus who is present to save. He really is. So Jesus is really is present to save and he's really risen from the dead, verses 12 and following. This man is not letting go of Peter and John, right? 
these astounded people are rushing up to Peter and John and the healed man. And then Peter speaks to explain what has just happened. Now, this is where the two verses that you have in your outline come in. You see, Peter's words come after the healing so that his words are guaranteed to be true by the reality of this healing. As sure as you see this man completely changed so you can depend on these words. As you see here in the text in Hebrews right there, that as people spoke, as these apostles spoke, God bore witness by signs and wonders. So here they are speaking and here God is beside giving these signs and wonders and saying, hey, they're the real deal. These are from me. They are speaking my word. That's the significance of these wonders. They come from God. They speak for God. And then the other passage in 2 Corinthians talks about the signs of a true apostle, signs unique to the apostles to verify Jesus is Lord. Jesus is speaking through this, uh, these men just like he healed through these men. And that is really encouraging to us because sometimes we wonder, is this really the word of God? Is this stuff really true? And in the chapter right before us, the Holy Spirit is poured out and these people from backwoods Galilee are suddenly praising God from languages all over the Mediterranean. And here, a man 40 years crippled is completely healed. These are God's way to say, this is real. You can bank your life on the words that these men said and that these men wrote. So what did Peter say? He says, and this kind of echoes what happened in chapter two, that the one you rejected is actually the servant of the God of the burning bush. He's the servant of the God of our fathers, the God of the Exodus. God glorified him in his resurrection and he glorified him now as his power uh, remade this man. But you, in contrast, denied him before Pilate, even when Pilate wanted to release him. You said no. And instead of receiving the holy and righteous one, you chose a murderer. You kill the very one who gives new life to the world. His words are calculated to pierce, but don't stand outside as though, oh, that's just those Jews. No, that's what we all would have done. The Jews just represent humanity. They represent what we do to God, how much we despise God and reject God. We must see ourselves in them. And as for this healing, Peter and John say, Peter says, this has nothing to do with us. It was done by the same Jesus that God exalted. It was totally because of faith in him, in this one who suffered and was raised and is exalted. He really is risen from the dead, you see. And this is his work alone that you see. Now, when Peter said, in the name of Jesus walk, and again, he repeats that it's in his name, 
The name stands for the power and presence of God. It's the same as saying, by the power of Jesus, walk. By the action of Jesus, walk. By the presence of Jesus, walk. And later in chapter 9, when Peter heals another crippled man, he says, Jesus Christ heals you. It's the same as in the name of Christ. Jesus Christ himself heals you. And I say to you, dear friends, this Lord Jesus is present. He's exalted to heal you. Trust in him. You must trust in him that he might take you to himself. And lastly, Jesus really is present to save. He really is risen from the dead, but he really does demand a response. First, you see here in your outline, we must not deny Jesus as as they did. And I want to urge you, don't ignore him. Don't be blind to who he is. Don't be ignorant of his being God's particular chosen servant to save sinners. He is the only one. Don't turn away from him. Don't deny him. Secondly, it's obvious from this passage that we must repent of our wickedness. To repent means to reorient your whole life inside and out to God. Several times in Acts, it's it's called repentance toward God. So to turn from our wickedness is to turn from a life of ignoring God. To turn from a life of rejecting God, not trusting God, not obeying God. This is huge to reorient your whole life. It's impossible for any of us in ourselves. We just won't do it. But two things to remember here. Notice Peter commanded the man to repent. Then he grabbed him and pulled him up and his feet and ankles were strengthened. So here he commands you to repent and turn back. But then he pulls you up by his power and we're strengthened to repent. He must give you new strength to reorient your life around him. And he will, just like he did for this man. He's more than willing. Give yourself to him and he will give you this capacity to reorient your life toward God. And then the second thing you notice in verse 26, he says to those Jews that God has sent his servant first to them, for what reason? To bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. You see, he turns us from our wickedness, just like he raised this crippled man to walk. And this, as it says there, is true blessing and happiness as uh, Steve described in his prayer, this is the abundant life. This is blessedness to be reoriented to the God who made you, to the God who keeps you alive every day, to become more and like him in Christ. We thirdly, we not only must not deny him, we must repent, but we must have our sins blotted out. The ink on papyrus sheets back then, they they wrote on papyrus sheets. 
it didn't have acid in it, so it didn't bite into the paper like our ink does. So if you were through with it or through with that writing, just like our modern whiteboard, you could just take a wet sponge and wipe it off, right? That's the word here. I like the NIV. It says, wipe them out, right? Wipe them out. You see, Jesus, it indicates that the prophet said that he would suffer for us. He has borne the punishment that we deserve for our sins. And when God raised him from the dead, God was saying, it is finished. Sin is completely taken away for anyone who will trust in you. And because of what Jesus has done, when you trust in him, if you trust in him, all of your sins are blotted out. All of them. That means that you enter into the full favor of God forever. His smile is on you forever because your sins are wiped out. Always, every day, forever. And God will be faithful to you. Even in your suffering, God will do good to you. He will be utterly committed to you forever. That's why I call you to trust in this Christ who has accomplished this powerful salvation, who can and will change you and forgive you. But this word blot gets really serious in, in Scripture. Sometimes in judgment context, you read this. Their names will be blotted out forever. That's a terrible way to think about judgment, isn't it? You will be forgotten forever. Your cries, your misery, your pain and suffering, your consuming loneliness, it will all be there, but it will be forgotten forever. But if you come to him, those sins that will separate you forever, that will make you forgotten forever, will all be blotted out. And instead, you'll be remembered forever. You will be his child forever. You will inherit all things right alongside Jesus. You will reign with him. You see, this terrible thing, wonderful yet terrible Have your sins blotted out or you will be blotted out. The stakes are gigantic. And that's why the next point, we must listen to him and all that he says. And this is not just what he says, but who he is, what he presents to us about God, the amazing mercy and kindness of God that that he would send his son to die for us, that God himself would take flesh and bear our punishment. That proclamation. In Christ, we're confronted with God himself revealed. This is his announcement of the good news, his announcement offering you forgiveness, his announcement offering you transformation and healing And if we don't listen, as Peter tells them, we will be destroyed. 
You just think of careful medical instructions that will bring you life. You, you wouldn't ignore those. Or, or you're in a sinking ship and somebody gives you careful instructions to get out to save yourself. Surely you wouldn't ignore those. And this Christ, it's not only he tells you how to be saved, he is the way. He presents himself to you. He announces himself to you. And finally, he mentions the restoration of all things in verses 20 and 21. This healing of the man is a sign of the complete healing, ultimately, of all his people and all of creation. That's why we we do pray all the time and see God answer prayers for our own personal healing right here and now. But we always know eventually all diseases for his people will be healed. All sickness will be taken away. All COVID-19. I think of how we've had this long time battle with um, malaria. Uh, And imagine suddenly all, and here's the parasite, the Plasmodium falciparum, that's probably close, this parasite that in 2018 killed, uh, that 220 million people got malaria, and there were 400,000 deaths. Almost 70% of those were children under 5%, 95% in sub-Sahara. Imagine, gone. Just imagine, never malaria ever again. Well, multiply that out. Everything is restored to perfection. We are resurrected. We are made perfect. The whole of creation is made perfect. And it's that way forever in this new world. And so you must participate in the new creation and not be blotted out forever. That's the message here of this Jesus present to save, exalted to save, this Jesus who demands a response. But what is that response? Trust him. Trust him. You can trust one who came, the God who came to earth to bear the sins of sinners that they might live with him forever. Oh, trust him. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, You hold before us life forever forever, or death forever. O Lord, enable us all, enable those who hear to trust you and to find life forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.